This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. On May 7, 2023, millions of people worldwide tuned in to witness a rare historic event. The coronation of the new King of England, King Charles III. In keeping with British tradition, the Queen Consort, Camilla, wore the crown jewels as she herself got to drop the consort part of her title and officially became Queen Camilla. But of all the glittering crown jewels Camilla wore, one gem in particular was absent, the Kohenor Diamond. The word Kohenor is a Persian word that translates to mountains of light. For centuries, India was thought to be the only source for the world's diamonds. In its original state, the Kohenor Diamond weighed in at a whopping 105 carats. For size comparison, your average engagement ring usually contains a diamond of around 1 carat. So the legend goes, this particular diamond was found on the bank of the Holy Krishna River in southern India more than 800 years ago. Although that's in some dispute as well. According to some versions of the story, the diamond was stolen from the eye socket of a large golden statue of the Hindu goddess Durga in the city of Warangal, sometime around the 14th century. From there, the diamond was passed around from conquest to conquest during which time an additional legend sprung up about it that whoever possessed the stolen gem would be cursed forever. There's a Hindu text from the year 1306 that states that he who owns this diamond will own the world, but will also know all its misfortunes. Only God or a woman can wear it with impunity. Although you can certainly argue that curses are merely coincidences, you can certainly see why some people would come to believe that Kohenor Diamond is cursed based on its rather bloody history. The diamond was part of the loot Nader Shah of Iran stole after he conquered Delhi in 1739. This invasion cost tens of thousands of lives, along with the depletion of India's national treasury. Among the many treasures Nader got his hands on during this conquest were the Kohenor diamond, as well as another legendary cursed gem, the Timur ruby, both of which he wore in an armband. Following Nader's death, the jewel fell into the hands of his general, Ahmad Shah, founder of the Durrani dynasty of the Afghans, who cut his own bloody swath through history. From there, the diamond made its way through the hands of numerous rulers, each of whom encountered some serious bad luck. This included a king who blinded his own son, and a deposed ruler who had molten gold poured over his shaved head. The British Empire got their hands on the Koh in 1849. From there, the diamond was made part of the crown jewels of Queen Victoria. Originally, the diamond was much larger than its current shape. But Victoria's husband, Albert, was disappointed by some of the gem's flaws and had it recut and polished, shrinking it down to half its original size. But to make matters worse, according to ancient Indian tradition, diamonds are sacred relics of the gods, and to cut a diamond down is another way to unleash a curse. Ever since the Kohenor diamond became part of the crown jewels, only female monarchs have worn it. The first being Queen Victoria, 
followed by Alexandra, Mary, and Queen Elizabeth herself. Queen Camilla was the first queen consort since the British royals took possession of it to not wear the Kohinoor diamond. But that's less likely to do with a curse than it is the fact the Indian government is telling the Brits for years the diamond was stolen from them and they demand it back. Only the British government has been saying, not going to happen, it's theirs, finders, keepers. The Kohinoor diamond isn't the only supposedly cursed gem that can be found throughout the world. There's the 410 carat Regent diamond which was discovered by a slave who tried to hide the jewel in a large wound, but ended up getting robbed and murdered for it anyway. The enslaved man tried cutting a deal with the ship's captain in exchange for safe passage, but the captain decided to murder the man and steal the precious gem for himself. King Louis XVI and Charles X both owned the Regent Diamond at one time or another, and both of them were forced to abdicate their thrones after periods of civil unrest. The diamond was also known to be worn by Marie Antoinette before she and her husband Louis XVI were sent to the guillotine. It was also set into the hilt of Napoleon's sword before he was exiled and sent to live the remaining years of his life in horrible conditions. At 67 carats, the Black Orlov is the largest known black diamond in the world. It was originally three times that size when it was allegedly stolen from the eye of a Hindu statue of the god of Brahma by a Jesuit cleric back in the 19th century. That cleric was later murdered, and from there the legend of the curse was born. In 1932, diamond dealer J.W. Paris reportedly took the diamond to the United States, and soon after committed suicide by jumping from the roof of a New York skyscraper. Later on, two Russian princesses took possession of the diamond, both of whom allegedly jumped to their deaths in the 1940s. Although both those stories are a little questionable as to whether they actually occurred. What is known is that the diamond was later bought by Charles F. Winson, who cut it into three pieces in the hope of breaking the curse. That is, if it ever existed in the first place. But you really can't talk about cursed gems without bringing up the most famous cursed diamond in the world, the Hope Diamond. This rare blue diamond has become the stuff of legend. Supposedly, whoever possesses the Hope Diamond will have nothing but bad luck. When you hear about the long list of tragedies and deaths that surround the glittering blue diamond, you'll certainly understand why. I'm Nate Hale, currently hiding out of my deep dark podcasting cave, guarding my precious from those tricksy little hobbitses. And this is The Conspirators. If you're beginning to see a pattern here, then it should come as no surprise that the Hope Diamond is yet another gem where legend has it that it was stolen from a sacred statue in India. Blue diamonds are among the rarest diamonds on Earth. They derive their unique color from minute traces of the element boron. It's believed that less than one-tenth of one percent of diamonds dug up from the Earth are blue. Currently weighing more than 45 carats, the Hope Diamond was more than double that size in its original form. Although there are plenty of differing legends surrounding its origins, the Hope Diamond is actually believed to have come from the Kohler Mines, back during the time when it was believed India was the only place on Earth where you could find diamonds. Ever since the Hope Diamond was discovered, so the story goes that everyone who has attempted to possess it 
has suffered some sort of misfortune. There are stories about previous owners who have been shot, beheaded, fallen off cliffs, starved, drowned, and even torn to pieces by dogs. Sometime between 1640 and 1667, a French gem merchant named Jean-Baptiste Tavernier obtained the blue diamond during one of six voyages he took from France to Persia and India. Tavernier never detailed exactly where he got the 112-carat triangular-shaped jewel from, although legend has it that the thief stole it from, you guessed it, a Hindu temple where he plucked it from the eye of a golden statue, after which the thief was struck dead before he could set foot outside the temple. This same story seems to happen a lot with many of the world's most allegedly cursed gems. According to the legend, despite the thief being killed, the diamond still managed to make its way outside the temple. After which the temple priests laid a curse on whoever possessed the stolen blue diamond ever since. In reality, it's a lot more likely that Tavernier got the diamond through more conventional, albeit pretty sketchy, means. Back in those days, any diamond over 10 carats was supposed to be sent to the Indian government. But a lot of mine owners would hold back the biggest gems in order to sell them on the thriving black market. Wherever the blue diamond came from after Tavernier got his hands on it, he began referring to it as the Tavernier Violet, because back then the word violet was synonymous with blue. Although most often you'll see the diamond referred to as the Tavernier Blue at this point in time. Tavernier returned to Paris on his final voyage in 1668 and later that same year sold the diamond to King Louis XIV along with more than a thousand other precious gems. But the blue diamond was the star of the show, accounting for roughly a quarter of the sale price, which would amount to about $8 million in today's money. Louis XIV really loved diamonds. In fact, he was so into owning as many diamonds as he could that he helped create the diamond market in Europe during his reign. But if the blue diamond really was cursed, it didn't seem to affect Tavernier too terribly considering he went on to live a life of luxury. You'll find some accounts claiming he was torn apart by wild dogs, but that's not true either. In Tavernier's later years, he received patents of nobility and used his vast fortune to purchase a large estate near Geneva, Switzerland. What is true is that some trouble did surface in his life back in 1685. That was when King Louis XIV revoked the Edict of Nantes, a French law protecting non-Catholics that had been in place since 1598. After that, French Protestants were given a choice to either convert to Catholicism or leave France. The problem was, Tavernier was a Protestant, and he wasn't particularly happy about having to become a Catholic. At the same time, he was also getting threatened to have his title stripped from him if he didn't comply. He left France in 1687 and eventually made his way to Moscow with plans to make another trip to India. Although that trip never happened. He died in Moscow in 1689 at age 84. Although King Louis XIV loved the Tavernier Blue, he also wasn't pleased with its original shape and imperfections. So in 1673, he commissioned the court jeweler Jean Pateau to recut the diamond and turn it into a piece to remember. Pateau spent two years trimming the blue diamond into a triangular 67-carat gem, roughly the size of a pigeon's egg. Once it was complete, the diamond began being referred to as the French Blue, it was set into a gold cravat pin dangling from a ribbon that the king would wear on ceremonial occasions. You recall how I said that people from India believe that cutting a diamond would unleash a curse? Well, some people believe this is the real moment that unleashed the curse of the blue diamond upon the world, not the original theft. 
The thing about curses, though, is that it's easy to draw correlations between tragic events and an allegedly cursed object. If something bad happened to a person while they possessed the diamond, well, then clearly it was the diamond's fault, not just coincidence. But whether you believe in curses or not, it's true that King Louis XIV did suffer a series of misfortunes and tragedies throughout his life. All but one of his legitimate children died in childhood. He also suffered a series of painful ailments, including diabetes, recurring boils, gout, fainting spells, dizziness, headaches, and even once had to undergo a painful operation. And yet he still managed to live until age 72, making him one of the longest reigning monarchs in history. During Louis' reign, France became the dominant superpower in Europe after fighting three wars and two lesser conflicts. Louis XIV died of gangrene just four days shy of his 77th birthday. After his death in 1715, the king's title and estate was passed down to his five-year-old great-grandson, King Louis XV. This included the French Blue. But before we get to Louis XV, we should mention a couple others who supposedly fell prey to the diamond's curse during Louis XIV's lifetime. One of them was Louis XIV's superintendent of finances, Nicolas Fouquet. He was allowed to wear the diamond on a special occasion, although according to legend, an argument erupted between Louis XIV and Fouquet. And not long after that, Fouquet was charged with the embezzlement of state funds. For this crime, Fouquet was imprisoned in 1663 at the fortress of Pignerol, where he remained until his death 17 years later. But the question here is whether Fouquet really fell victim to a diamond's curse, or just made the really dumb decision to argue with the King of France. The answer is no, it wasn't a curse, and that can be proven for a very simple reason. The timeline doesn't make sense. As I mentioned, Fouquet was imprisoned in 1663. The problem is, as I also mentioned, is that Tavernier didn't even arrive in France to sell the blue diamond to King Louis XIV until 1668. And yet, when you research this topic, you'll often see Fouquet's name lumped in with the long list of supposed victims of the Hope Diamond's curse. Another individual who its claim fell victim to the curse of the Blue Diamond was King Louis XIV's chief mistress, Madame de Montespan, a woman with whom he had a long love affair and who bore him seven children. At least in her case, the timelines do potentially line up for a falling victim to the Diamond's curse. If you want to hear a more complete version of her story, then I encourage you to check out the episode I did on the Affair of the Poisons. But in short, there was so much intrigue going on in the French court back then, you don't have to include a cursed gem to see where tragedy was bound to strike. The king's mistress was born Francois Athenay de Rochencourt, and she went on to marry a French nobleman, the Marquis of Montespan, granting her the title of Marquise. Louis XIV developed a romantic relationship with the Marquise after the two of them hit it off at a ball at the Louvre Palace. By 1667, many people were referring to the Marquise de Montespan as the true Queen of France, due to how much influence she seemed to have over her lover the King. She was even known to publicly disrespect Queen Maria Theresa. But the King allowed this to happen, and even became so enamored of her that he had her official portrait painted in which she can be seen holding the French blue. She's also known to have worn the blue gem on several public occasions. But the Roman Catholic Church wasn't too pleased with the couple's public love affair. In 1675, a priest refused to give the Marquise de Montespan absolution, which was required for her to take Easter Communion. This was considered a major slap in the face since taking Easter Communion was a requirement for all Catholics. King Louis XIV appealed to the priest's superiors, but the church refused to budge. 
King Louis is forced to stop seeing the Marquise for a short while. Although the breakup didn't last and soon the couple rekindled their romance. In 1679, the Marquise de Montespan was accused of using witchcraft and love potions to make King Louis fall in love with her. One of her accusers even alleged that Montespan performed black masses in order to bewitch the king. This destroyed her reputation and although the king officially stopped seeing her in public, they kept their relationship going until 1691, when he sent her to live in a convent where she remained until her death in 1707. Afterwards, the king forbade her children to publicly mourn her. By the time King Louis XIV died, the seeds of discontent were already sowing in France. The French commoners weren't happy about King Louis' lavish spending and the lack of care he showed toward his people. Following Louis XIV's death, his great-grandson, King Louis XV, officially took the throne in 1715, at the age of five. For a few years, the kingdom was actually ruled by Philippe II, the Duke of Orleans, until the boy came of age when he turned 13. King Louis XV married at age 15 and went on to father ten children, three of whom died in childhood. He also fathered at least a dozen illegitimate children as well. During his early years, King Louis XV became known as Louis the Well-Beloved. That didn't last, though. In 1749, King Louis had the blue diamond reset by the court jeweler as a piece of ceremonial jewelry for the Royal Order of the Golden Fleece. Although King Louis XV went on to have the second longest reign in French history, beat out only by his predecessor, his great-grandfather, Louis XIV, many historians hold Louis XV's reign in low regard. This is in part because of the French military's involvement in several costly wars, including the Seven Years' War, which ran between 1756 and 1763. This resulted in France losing most of its colonial possessions in India and North America. The many conflicts France fought in drained the country's treasury, and many of Louis XV's actions, including constantly raising taxes on the French people, can be seen as setting the stage for the French Revolution in 1789. By the time he died of smallpox in May 1774, King Louis XV was widely hated by the people. In fact, he became so hated that he was stabbed and almost died in an assassination attempt in 1757. There are really many reasons to listen to our podcast, Big Picture Science. It's kind of a challenge to summarize them all, Molly. Okay, here's a reason to listen to our show, Big Picture Science, because you love to be surprised by science news. We love to be surprised by science news. So, for instance, I learned on our own show that I had been driving around with precious metals in my truck before it was stolen. That was brought up in our show about precious metals and also rare metals, like most of the things in your catalytic converter. I was surprised to learn that we may begin naming heat waves like we do hurricanes. You know, prepare yourself for heat wave Lucifer. I don't think I can prepare myself for that. Look, we like surprising our listeners. We like surprising ourselves by reporting new developments in science and while asking the big picture questions about why they matter and how they will affect our lives today and in the future. Well, we can't affect lives in the past, right? No, I I guess that's a point. (laughs) So the podcast is called Big Picture Science and You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts. We are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us. We hope you'll take a listen. After his death, his grandson Louis XVI took the throne. Louis XVI had the unwelcome task of assuming the throne over a country that was deeply in debt, with an angry populace that was on the brink of revolt. 
King Louis made a lot of unpopular decisions during his reign, including his approval of the French military's support during the American Revolution, which helped drive his government to the brink of bankruptcy. King Louis XVI also called for major fiscal, economic, and administrative reforms during the Age of Enlightenment, none of which went over very well among the people. It didn't help that everyone really despised his wife Marie Antoinette, who was seen as promiscuous and extravagant, even in the face of the rampant poverty among the French people. All this friction led to the French Revolution, which first broke out on October 5, 1789. After an angry mob marched on the Palace of Versailles to forcibly remove the royal family from court, King Louis XVI ignored his advisors who told him he needed to abdicate the throne. In September 1792, a new national convention abolished the monarchy, and King Louis XVI was found guilty of treason. He was beheaded on January 21, 1793. Marie Antoinette lost her head on the guillotine nine months later. Keep in mind that the story of the French Revolution can be seen as a case of dueling curses. Although the curse of the Hope Diamond is often cited as causing the French Revolution, so too is the curse of the Regent Diamond blamed for bringing about the downfall of the King and Queen of France. The French blue was worn by both King Louis XVI and Marie Antoinette on several occasions. But most of the Queen's jewels, including the French blue, were left in the care of a close confidant of Marie Antoinette, her lady-in-waiting Marie Therese, the Princess de Lamballe. She refused to denounce King Louis XVI, and she made matters worse for herself by often wearing the French blue in public. Not long after King Louis and Marie Antoinette were seized and thrown in jail, the Princess de Lamballe was dragged from court and thrown into the clutches of an angry mob. The crowd stripped her of her clothing tortured her, and decapitated her before placing her head on a pike and parading it around the courtyard. Of course, there are a lot of reasons the French Revolution occurred that don't need to involve deadly cursed gems. But true believers in the curse claim the Blue Diamond is what actually brought down the French monarchy. Sometime amid all the chaos that erupted during the French Revolution, the Blue Diamond was stolen, along with a number of other important jewels. Years later, the gem resurfaced, this time in the hands of a Dutch diamond cutter named Wilhelm Falls, and he recut the stone to hide its original identity. Falls trimmed the stone down from 67 carats to just 45, about the size of a walnut. Falls' own son, Henrik, stole the diamond, leaving him in financial ruin. Hendrik Falls was then purported to have given the blue diamond to a man named Francis Ballou in order to repay a debt. Ballou took the diamond with him from France to London where he attempted to sell it to a diamond dealer named Daniel Eliasson. However, when Eliasson went to pay Ballou, he discovered the man dead of a fever. A few years later, in 1830, Hendrik Falls committed suicide. Right around the same time, Daniel Eliasson also killed himself. Neither man left a suicide note, nor any indication what caused them to take their own lives. It's unclear exactly where the blue diamond went during this period. But in 1822, King George IV of England had a portrait painted in which he can be seen wearing the insignia of the Royal Order of the Golden Fleece, upon which rests a blue diamond that looks a lot like the cursed gem. Now, we don't know for certain whether King George actually possessed the French blue or not. There are no written records to prove this other than the painting where a similar-looking blue gem appears. But if King George did have it, then perhaps he fell prey to the curse too. Because he died an agonizing death in 1830 of a ruptured stomach and internal bleeding. After King George died, he left no heirs and his estate was sold off to pay his massive debts. It's possible that the Blue Diamond was among the items that were sold. 
1839, the Blue Diamond officially popped up again, this time in the gem catalog of a London banker named Philip Hope. It's from him where we get the name the Hope Diamond. Perhaps coincidentally, or perhaps because of the curse, Hope died that very same year. Then the stone passed to his nephew, Henry Thomas Hope, two years later. From there, the diamond was passed on to Henry's grandson, Lord Francis Hope. The Hope family put the blue diamond on display during the Great Exhibition in London. This was sort of a precursor to the World's Fair. The Hope diamond drew enormous crowds. It was during this time the Hope family really began to play up the diamond's history, pushing the narrative that this was the stone formerly known as the French Blue that had once been owned by the French monarchy. In 1894, Lord Francis Hope met and married an American concert hall singer named Mary Yohi. The couple lived way beyond their means, and by the time they were married, Hope was nearly bankrupt. Despite this, they kept borrowing money and spending it on lavish trips, art, and land. In 1900, they decided to tour the world. During the trip, Hope's wife May met a handsome captain in the United States Army, and she fell head over heels in love after which she refused to return to England with her husband, Lord Francis. By 1901, Lord Francis Hope began to suffer one misfortune after another. That same year, he sold the Hope Diamond to repay some of his gambling debts. He was forced to declare bankruptcy, got divorced from Mary Ohi, and lost his foot in a hunting accident. By 1902, he had managed to spend nearly his entire fortune, which was estimated to be around $75 million in today's money. Despite falling on hard times, Hope remarried in 1904 and went on to have three children. When Hope's brother died in 1928, he inherited the title of Duke, although he constantly struggled with money, and he died penniless in 1941 at age 75. May Yohi is known to have worn the Hope Diamond on several occasions, and she is often also cited as another victim of the curse. After she got divorced from Lord Francis, she married her handsome army captain, but the couple got divorced only a few years later. She remarried several more times, but each of those marriages ended in divorce. And as the years went by, she too suffered constant bad luck. She lost her stage career. She actually wrote, directed, and starred in a film serial about the curse of the Hope Diamond, but it flopped. She tried opening a bed and breakfast, but it burned down. She died in poverty in 1938 at age 72. It's actually through May Yohi's writings where we get a lot of the early stories about the Curse of the Hope Diamond. Throughout the 1900s, rumors about the Curse of the Hope Diamond began to grow. Some historians believe the tales of the diamond being stolen from the eye of a golden Hindu statue and the resulting curse were made up just to help boost intrigue around the stone, as well as sell some newspapers. Others say it was drummed up by some of the very same people who attempted to sell the stone in order to make it more mysterious and valuable in the eyes of prospective buyers. In 1901, the Hope Diamond was sold to a London jewel merchant named Adolph Wheel, who in turn sold it to a New York diamond dealer named Simon Frankel. There are differing accounts of what happened to the stone after that. Some stories claim Frankel kept the Hope Diamond until he sold it to a wealthy Turkish diamond collector in 1908, while others claim the gem was bought and sold several times over. In some of those versions, the first person to purchase the blue diamond was a French banker named Jacques Coulet. Not long after purchasing the diamond, Coulet went insane and committed suicide. Next, the Hope Diamond was sold to Russian Prince Ivan Kanatowski, who loaned it to his lover, the actress Lorenz Ledoux. The first time she wore the diamond on stage, she was shot and killed by a man in the audience. Some versions of the story state that her killer was the prince himself, 
and he murdered her in a fit of jealous rage. A few weeks after that, Prince Kanatowski was stabbed to death in Paris by Russian revolutionaries. By that point in history, the story of the curse of the Hope Diamond was picking up steam. A 1908 article in the Washington Post described the number of tragedies that appeared to befall anyone who possessed the gem. Somehow the diamond found its way back into the possession of Simon Frankel. From there, the Hope Diamond was sold to a Greek jewelry broker named Simon Mancarides. He quickly sold the diamond to a Persian diamond merchant named Habib Bey. On the very night the deal was struck, Mancarides accidentally drove his carriage over a cliff, killing himself, his wife, and child. Habib Bey sold the diamond to Solomon Habib on behalf of the Sultan of Turkey, Abdul Hamid II. A few months later, Habib Bey drowned during the sinking of a French steamer in 1909. The Sultan of Turkey, Abdul Hamid II, gave the Hope Diamond to his favorite concubine, Salma Zubayaba, with orders that it be protected by his favorite eunuch, bodyguard Kula Bey. A few months later, Zubayaba was stabbed to death by an official in the treasury who attempted to steal the jewel for himself. The thief was subsequently tortured and hanged to death. There was also another man who was arrested for the crime. He too was put to death, although evidence shows that he may have been innocent. Shortly after both men were executed, Abdul Hamid II was overthrown during the Young Turks Rebellion in April 1909. Someone else who allegedly got swept up in the uprising was Kula Bey, the Sultan's favorite eunuch, who had been entrusted with guarding the Hope Diamond. He was captured by an angry mob and strangled to death. Afterwards, the Hope Diamond was sold to a Parisian jewel merchant named Simon Rosenau. He in turn sold it to the legendary diamond merchant Pierre Cartier. A lot of the accounts you'll read suggest that Cartier is the one who most heavily pushed the narrative that the Hope Diamond was cursed, in order to drive up the price. He tried to sell the diamond to American gold mining heiress Evelyn Walsh McLean, but at first she wasn't interested. Cartier found out something about Evelyn, though. She liked to tell people that things that brought other people bad luck had the opposite effect on her. This gave Cartier the idea to begin promoting the alleged curse of the Hope Diamond. He went to Evelyn McLean and told her about some of the misfortunes that befell the previous owners of the Hope Diamond, including the overthrow of a sultan, as well as the death of the diamond merchant Tavernier, who was torn apart by wild dogs. The part about the wild dogs is completely untrue, and it is widely believed that Cartier cooked up the story himself to make the curse sound more believable. In order to sweeten the deal, Cartier took the stone and reset it into a more modern setting surrounded by smaller white diamonds. This is the form of the Hope Diamond you can still see today. Fun fact, the Hope Diamond is also the inspiration for the diamond necklace in James Cameron's Titanic. After the stone was reset and Cartier began pushing the story of the curse, Evelyn McLean became more interested. When Cartier finally presented the Hope Diamond to Evelyn McLean, she knew she had to have it. Edward whipped out his checkbook and purchased the Hope Diamond for $180,000. That's the equivalent of over $5 million today. Afterwards, Evelyn seemed to get a real kick out of the whole hoax business. She loved to tell all her society friends about it, as well as how she expected the diamond to have the opposite effect on her. Edward, on the other hand, wasn't quite so lighthearted about it. He insisted they put a clause in the contract with Cartier that should any fatality occur to his family within six months of the purchase of the Hope Diamond, the Cartier would agree to exchange it for other jewelry of equal value. Evelyn McLean wore the diamond for the first time in public in February 1912. 
Afterwards, she was seen wearing it several more times at social events. Although Evelyn often joked about the curse of the Hope Diamond throughout her life, it's also true she did suffer numerous tragedies that true believers point to as proof that the curse is real. Evelyn's mother-in-law died a year after she received the diamond. Evelyn even tried enacting the return clause in the contract she made with Cartier. But the six-month window had already passed, so Cartier refused the return. In 1919, Evelyn's nine-year-old son Vincent was struck by a car and killed. In 1929, Edward ran off with another woman and even claimed to have married her, although he really hadn't. Evelyn and Edward divorced in 1932. Legend has it that Evelyn took the Hope Diamond to a Catholic church on the outskirts of Washington, D.C., whereas she attempted to have a priest perform an exorcism on the jewel. So the story goes that while the priest was performing the ritual, storm clouds suddenly formed on the originally sunny day, and a bolt of lightning struck a tree outside the church. If the curse is real, apparently the exorcism had little effect on it. During the 1920s, Edward McLean was implicated in something called the Teapot Dome Scandal, in which government officials were caught leasing oil fields to private companies without receiving competitive bids. During the investigation, Edward was caught lying to federal investigators about some money he had allegedly loaned to one of the investors. Back in 1916, Edward McLean inherited the Washington Post, the very same newspaper that just a few years earlier published a front-page article detailing the story about the curse of the Hope Diamond. But his involvement in the Teapot Dome scandal damaged the paper's reputation. By 1933, McLean was so racked with scandal and deeply in debt that he was forced to sell the newspaper at a bankruptcy auction for less than a million dollars. That same year, Edward was declared legally insane as the result of brain atrophy from his alcoholism. He was committed to a psychiatric hospital where he remained until his death in 1941. In 1932, Evelyn was conned out of $100,000 by a con man who claimed to be acting as an intermediary in the Lindbergh kidnapping. In 1946, Evelyn's only daughter died from an accidental overdose of sleeping pills at age 25. The following year, Evelyn herself died of pneumonia at age 60. Evelyn's will bequeathed the Hope Diamond to her grandchildren, with the stipulation that it remained in the custody of trustees until the eldest child reached 25 years of age. This would have prevented the stone from being sold for 20 more years. But Evelyn died deeply in debt, and the trustees were able to gain permission to sell the Hope Diamond in order to pay her creditors. In 1949, the Hope Diamond was sold to New York diamond merchant Harry Winston. This was part of a large sale of precious gems that included the diamonds known as the Star of the East, the Star of the South, and another 31-carat gem called the McLean Diamond. Over the following decade, the Hope Diamond continued to be shown at numerous exhibitions and charitable events around the world. If we are to believe that anyone who owns a Hope Diamond will suffer some horrible fate, then, for some reason, the curse decided to skip over Harry Winston. He never appeared to suffer any great personal tragedies throughout his life. In fact, he remained quite wealthy and prosperous until his death of a heart attack in 1978 at age 82. He owned the Hope Diamond for nearly a decade until November of 1958, when he donated it to the Museum of Natural History and the Smithsonian Institution. The Hope Diamond remains on display today in the Harry Winston Room of the Hall of Geology. It's one of the museum's most popular tourist attractions, with reportedly as many visitors showing up each year to see it as the Mona Lisa. When the Smithsonian first received the Hope Diamond, they were deluged with urgent letters from concerned citizens, imploring them to destroy the diamond, or at least keep it away from the public. Some people even wrote to President Dwight D. Eisenhower, begging him to get involved and have the stone destroyed for the good of the American people. 
The belief was that since the Hope Diamond was now officially the property of the American people, everyone in the country would suffer. But ever since the Smithsonian received the Hope Diamond, the alleged curse appears to have gone dormant. Sure, there are any number of national tragedies one could point to as being the result of the curse, but it's difficult to pinpoint any single individual who may have been affected by the curse of the Hope Diamond ever since. Except for one. Legend has it there was one final victim of the curse. The postman who delivered it. His name was James Todd. Harry Winston sent the diamond through the U.S. mail from New York to Washington, D.C. He didn't want there to be a lot of fanfare about his decision to donate the gem to the Smithsonian. So he packed the diamond into a simple cardboard box, insured it for $145, and slapped $2.44 worth of stamps in the package to send it through the mail. A year after James Todd delivered the package to the Smithsonian, he crashed his truck and shattered his leg. He later got into another crash and suffered a head injury. Then both his wife and his dog died untimely deaths, and after that his house burned to the ground. Later on, a reporter would ask Todd if he thought he was the last victim of the curse of the Hope Diamond. Todd responded by telling the reporter he didn't think so. He didn't believe in curses. The Conspirators is written and produced by me, Nate Hale, an entirely fictional identity. Thanks so much for listening. I have some new Patreon supporters to thank. Thank you to Lisa, Randy, Barry, Brian, and Shauna. You're all amazing. And thanks to all my other patrons as well for signing up and helping support the show. I couldn't do this without you. Just a reminder, the patrons of the show get access to all sorts of nifty bonuses, including stickers, magnets, t-shirts, and our ever-growing library of bonus mini-episodes. They're just like the regular episodes, only fun size. Another great way you can help support the show is to subscribe and give us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Currently, you can find The Conspirators on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, and pretty much everywhere else across the podcasting multiverse. Besides that, I also encourage you to follow us on social media. We're currently on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can even send us an old-fashioned email at theconspiratorspodcast at gmail.com and let us know how we're doing. Send us episode suggestions or anything else you want to share. I love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you'll be back next time.